How you doing? Having a good long, long week holiday? We had a not Australia Day lunch yesterday, so that it wasn't Friday, see? So we had a, a not good, not Australia Day lunch. We enjoyed it, it was good. Now, I want to ask you a question. Uh, it's this. 2024. Last week, you remember, we talked about how we come at it in relation to being an individual. How we talk about being an individual in the presence of the living God and how do I plan what happens in 2024. Well, today, as I said I would last week, I want to talk about for a moment the whole notion of what do we do as a church about 2024? Uh, how do we go about what's happening in life in the, in the church? Where is Mitcham Baptist going in 2024? I'm not trying to tell Nick or Sarah what they're supposed to do. I'm just giving them an idea about what I... I'm, don't clap your hands over there, Nick. He thinks, thinks he's already in. What are we going to do? Can anyone tell us what 2024 is going to look like? I think I said to you last week about, about uh, making up plans for the year on the last day of the last year. I don't think anybody with any brains is going to do that this year, this last year, because I don't know that any of us know what 2024 is going to look like. But let me think for, with you for a moment about some of the considerations. These are the interacting factors, at least some that I've seen around the place that I think we need to be up to date with. The wars around the world sending economies into chaos. Some economies actually going broke, so the country has no idea where it's going and what it's doing. How does that affect world economies? More to the point, how does it affect our economy? Their effect on trade, oil prices, food availability. We've already seen in the, uh, uh, in the seas around Iran, uh, what uh, a certain group of people have decided to do to knock out trade around the place. And there's all sorts of possibilities of us losing the Suez Canal. We lose the Suez Canal, all the traffic has to go down the bottom, and how much more does that cost us? What does that do to your food? The financial crisis in national economies, going up all over the place. Crisis in our own country of not being able to afford what we need to live. Some people, many, many people, having to go for help. What does that say to you about the ministry of the church? Who are we? There's endemic change taking place in our society. Climate change is one of them. There are other changes that are happening in our society and you could number the changes that you know. Issues in politics, issues in relationships, in all sorts of different places. Now, put these all together. How are you going? Predicting what's going to happen in 2024. What about the effect of AI on the world scene? I was talking to a friend of mine who is a geek. Uh, that, in my language, means a computer wizard. I said to him, what do you think about AI? He said, I think that AI, unless it's controlled, has the capacity to wipe out the human race. The church impossible end time preoccupations. That last word is the key thing. 
Uh, I can see what's happening in the world until I get all excited and I'm preoccupied with what might be happening here and I predict this and I predict that and I listen to people on Google about... I put in the newsletter this little comment that I thought I might read to you in relation to that. You see, the, church, the, the Bible says to us, be aware of what's going on. But it also says to us, continue to do the things you've always done. Be who you are. Don't let it control you so that it dominates your thoughts. Uh, let me read this to you. You'll see this if you've got uh, the newsletter. Back in 1948, after the nuclear bombs ended the Second World War, C.S. Lewis had this to say. Let us not exaggerate the novelty of our situation. You and I were already sentenced to death before the atomic bomb was invented. It's perfectly ridiculous to go about whimpering and drawing long faces because there was more, one more chance of a painful and premature death in a world that already bristles with such possibilities and in which death itself is not a chance but a certainty. If we're all going to be destroyed by an atomic bomb, let that bomb, when it comes, find us doing sensible and human things, praying, working, teaching, reading, listening to music, bathing the children, not huddled together like frightened sheep thinking about bombs. They may break our bodies. Well, a microbe can do that. But they need not dominate our minds. How do we proceed? I mean, these are the things we face, and I've not numbered them all because I don't want to take up your time. But you know they're there. How do we proceed? Well, I want to offer to you one of the suggestions. This is a possible approach. Use our wisdom as the criteria. Go to events to watch what other big churches do. Find out what they're doing that's successful and try and do it here ourselves. Use our experience in the business, the education, work world to be the basis of the operation. I've been there before. I know how to manage things. Uh, I'm in charge of an organisation where I am. I can manage the church in exactly the same way as I manage the organisation where I go to work. It's all right. Everything is fine. Except that the church is not an organisation but an organism, a family that needs to be operated on the basis of a whole set of total different rules. The results? Well, that's entirely predictable, isn't it? We're in control. We know what's happening. We can see and we can respond to the various things. Our leaders will have wisdom about knowing what's going on. Our product will match our abilities. We'll come up with stuff that has to do with who we are. It might look great, it might be big, and it might be sparkly. And everybody will say, well, a big church you've got isn't it going well. But we run one risk. Disenfranching God of his inheritance. Who's his inheritance? The church. You take over here what is God's and you disenfranchise God from the leadership, from the control, from the loving. Disenfranchise him from that. And I think I've said it before, he will not he will not cause calamity, he will just disappear. And so will the church if you don't work at it. The biblical alternative, in my opinion, is this. And I think you know it, but I just wanted to emphasise it to you again. 
Psalm 127, verse 1. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards watch in vain. You see, we are not the builders. My dad was a builder. I know exactly what that means because I used to work out on jobs when I was a kid and I would go out as the labourer, clearing up the muck and the rubbish and all that sort of stuff. And I used to hear the, the plumber arguing with the electrician about where the pipes would go and where the electricity would go. I used to hear the, uh, the bricky saying, no, I can't lay that layer there because that's got to be where the foundation... And I keep thinking to myself, boys, you are, you are the tradesman. And eventually they'd all have to go back to where? The plans that the master had put together. Things to observe. We need to observe from this text. First of all, God is intimately involved with his people. He doesn't say, I can do it and I'll leave you behind. He says, let me live amongst you. Let me come and dwell in your heart. And from there together, as I show you the path, and as I say to you over and over again, this is the path, walk in it. Share an intimate relationship with me. Share an intimate relationship with me. God is the builder. We are the tradesmen and women equipped by God. That last phrase is important. Not even the skills we have are ours. So let's stop kidding ourselves that we're worth anything because he implanted them there in the first place called the gifts of the spirit. He does it every, to everybody. We've all got gifts. We all know how to use them in this place or we should. We see human possibilities. God sees God type possibilities. If we take over this church, it will only ever achieve human possibilities. If God is in charge of this church, things will happen here that you would never have dreamed of. If God takes charge of this church and guides you and keeps you and your leaders are prepared to spend time in prayer, they're prepared to spend time talking with one another and prepared to spend time in being obedient to what God is saying, you cannot predict what will happen in this place. The psalmist, you see, speaks into an invitation, speaks of an invitation into God. He's not saying stand back and let God operate. He's saying, come hither, come into me, come into me and let me guide you and let you let us together be the people of God at Mitcham Baptist. The identity we have together would then be a God-given identity, a God-breathed identity, a God-sense of purpose in who God is and who, who he wants his church to be. You see, the power is his. The partnership is ours. We do not have the power to achieve the things that the church should be doing. We don't have the power. I said to you last week... Um, all ministry is God's ministry and that we human beings need to recognize the great idea that permeates the scriptures and it's this when we're involved in the things of God it always involves death and resurrection I could talk to you about uh, Old Testament character Abraham's one of those guys who discovers that it involves for us 
the death of our own purposes, the death of our own processes, and the resurrection in our church of the things of the living God. When we're headed into this partnership, it always, always involves death and resurrection. Are you prepared to allow the death of your own sense of direction to happen? Because it's easy to say, but it's jolly hard sometimes to do. What might we learn here from the psalmist's conviction? First of all, the invitation is given to God to, is to give God priority in place in our existence. That is to say, when I get up in the morning, I don't believe that I've got my day before me and I'll do the best I can at achieving it. When I get up in the morning, I have a, I have a little tradition. I start the day by saying, thank you for the Lord for the sleep I've had last night. Um, help me please to get over the sad dreams or <laughs> whatever. But would you walk with me today? I'll read a bit of the scriptures. Not because I've got to do the ritual, but because the pattern sets me in place, in concrete, in the foundation of who I am. It tells me, it doesn't tell me what I do, it tells me again who I am. I am a servant of the living God. I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. And I set my feet in the concrete and for the rest of the day, I live it out. The invitation is to give God priority in place in our existence. We need to live in obedience which gives the builder use of our personal lives. This is a very difficult thing for some people. They have their lives to live. They have their own purposes. They want to win the finance that they need to do. They need to have a certain uh, element of material that they've, that they've achieved. They need to have the recognition in the world. They need to have power where power is needed. And he says, no, 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 no. What I want you to do is give your life back to me. Give your church body back to me. And then we work together, deliberately to choose. Do you have a deliberate, intimate relationship with Jesus? That's what he's calling for now. Develop behaviours which help us hear the builder speak. Develop behaviours, you see the little red asterisk there? We need to develop behaviours, deliberately, consciously develop behaviours that enable us to hear what the builder is saying. To treat his intentions as the criteria of our life. What is my purpose? My purpose is to be a servant of the living God and I'll do what his instructions are for the day. And at the end of the day, I'll come to him and say, Lord, I've done the best I can. Sorry for the stuff I messed up. And he'll say, I love you so much. I love you so much. I'll fill you with my joy. We can work on the failures, but I want you to know that I love you. We need to live with the character of the builder clearly exposed in our own. Never cover up who we belong to. Let him speak through us. Be prepared to be challenged by others outside and put up with the rubbish that sometimes they send. Jesus said, well, they do that to me. Why do you expect to be free of it yourself? Let the builder's character show. Those asterisks, 
I think I said last week, and I have said several times before, talking with God obviously becomes a focal behaviour. Now, as the tide of this year comes before you, with all of the characteristics I listed out at the beginning, how important is this? How important is it for older folk in the church to be ringing up a leader and saying, I'll pray for you this year. I'll contact you every now and then. I will put my prayers behind you personally. How many older folk have done that, by the way? Isabel, I think, stuck her hand up last time. Good, thank you. Others, ring up a leader and say, I will pray for you. How important is the church to have prayer meetings together in small groups or in larger groups? How important is 2024 to be built on prayer? The Lord said, my house is a, is a house of prayer. How are you going to hear what he has for 2024 unless that's true? And we can expect that our work with the builder will bear the hallmark of his handiwork. Uh, what are the likely consequences of working? Well, I, I would think love in the church family. I would think joy in the church family. I would think peace in the church family. Patience, goodness. I always miss one of these out. I would expect all of those to be a part of the church family life. Wouldn't you? I mean, it's the fruit of the Spirit. It's the fruit of His presence. That's what happens. There, I think, is a really important idea. This is your journey, and this is the one shot you get at it. We talk about the older folk in our church who, you know, who, who did wonderful things back in their generation, did, did wonderful things, and we're standing on their shoulders. And it not it a delight to be able to remember so-and-so who's lived for 80 years and the, and the work he put into the church... This is your time. This is your moment. You'll get one shot at it and one shot at it only. And this is your attempt to build your reputation under the Lord's guidance. What are you doing now in relation to this one chance to live as a disciple of Jesus Christ? This one chance to set in stone in history a church that solidly listened to God, solidly listened to the master saying, this is what I want you to do. This is who I want you to be. We get one shot at it and one shot at it only. We get to choose how we go. Now. But. Amen. Let me pray. Father God, we, uh, we know we don't have the skills to do that really well. We know you have to develop those skills amongst us. We know we're not great at a whole pile of things. We wish we could be better, but as individuals we don't uh, travel a road too well sometimes. Having said that, Lord, you are the builder. You provide us with the resources you provide us with the skills, you provide us with the opportunities and then when, we, when we, we do the best we can, you come alongside and you put your arms around our shoulders and you tell us you've loved us, you've cared for us, you, you, you're going to be our, our guide and our master for eternity and you bless us over and over again. 
Lord, I want to pray that 2024 for Mitcham Baptist Church would demonstrate the power and the greatness and the majesty of the living God. Amen.